This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Yes, this is everyone's favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. And uh, our guy Kyle is currently, I don't know, nine beers deep at the Waste Management Open in Phoenix right now. Uh, but we do have Jim Peterson, who is the, the star of this show anyways, whenever he comes on, on trade deadline day. Jim Pete. What up? Is Kyle, is Kyle, have you seen those um, those videos of guys at the Waste Management who are completely wasted, stumbling around, falling over? You, oh. think, Kyle, you think Kyle's like that? I think, not only do I think he's he's like that, have you seen the videos when they open the gates at like 5, 6 o'clock in the morning? And it's become now a tradition where people line up. It, lo- it looks like the start of the New York City Marathon or something. And security has those like those like uh, like crowd control gates and they pull the gates away and they hold everyone up and they like blow a whistle and then people sprint from the entrance of the golf course to go get their spot on the 16th green or in the 16th. I think he was probably there at six o'clock in the morning sprinting to the 16th. We almost need him to do a call in or something like to get, I needed a report. Like I would love to see where he, he's at right now. Wouldn't you, I would love to see where he's at. Let me, t- here's what I'm going to send. I'm actually going to send <laughs> him the link. Him. <laughs> I'm literally going to send him the link. And if he, if he can join us even for like 30 drunken seconds uh, to give his take, I know he likes the I Monte like Morris trade. So I we like know that. It. And it's also a tradition. Whenever the wolves make a big trade, Kyle is always on a plane. So uh, I think it was Shams who reported it first yesterday. I sent him the link on our text thread, and he responds with a photo of him stepping onto a Delta plane, just like tradition. The Rudy Gobert trade on a plane. I think the D'Lo trade on a plane. Right. So if you want to trade someone, put Kyle on a plane. And <laughs> <laughs> So, well, let's, let's start with NBA trade deadline day here, Jim Pete. And just across the league, by the way, before we get into Monte Morris, I'm just trying to gather – as many of these as possible down to the wire. So the Thunder traded for Gordon Hayward today. Pat Bev to the Bucks. Yeah. It'll be a fun one. Uh, Pistons just released Killian Hayes, the former number seven overall pick, because they couldn't find a trade partner. Uh, I Man, I wanted Doug McDermott in the buyout market, but the Pacers went and just traded for him about 10 minutes ago. And then the Suns got Royce O'Neal, who was another one that just a good, a good three-point shooting wing player. So some some good role players, nothing like blockbuster level, but some really good role players going around. And then Monte Morris to the Timberwolves yesterday. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, let me add the Knicks won the day. I mean the the Knicks won the trade deadline. I you know getting Boyan Bogdanovich yes. uh, is, yep. is absolutely huge for them. And then Alec Burks is someone that I really wanted. I mean. When I started looking at players who we could get at the trade deadline, either in a buyout or in a trade situation, Alec Burks was someone that when you looked at like those teams that were probably going to start jumping ship and start tanking or whatever, um, unloading players, you looked at Detroit and what Alec Burks was doing off the bench 
in that role. He's a veteran guy. You look at his uh, at his game log. Uh, it was very productive and exactly what Minnesota needed. You know, a three point shooter. They the Wolves really needed shooting and scoring off the bench. Yes. Um, Kyle Kyle's inability to put the ball in the hoop this year has really hurt as much as he saved the Wolves season last year. Not having him, you know, contribute those eight to ten points to twelve points a game has really hurt. And so it puts so much pressure on Nas to to get it done, and 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 for Nas as well, uh, those two have to score now. And if they don't score, it really hurts Minnesota's production. So, um, getting someone like you mentioned, Doug McDermott. I mean, he was another guy that you're kind of like earmarking in a buyout market because the Wolves probably had, you know, I mean, prorated veteran minimum, whatever. So you know, you could have. Uh, you're still a million under the cap right now or under the, the luxury tax. So they could have gotten someone like him. I think you know reports were that he actually wanted to come to Minnesota, mm. but um, the other need was to get a backup point guard in case something happened to Mike. Right. So, yep. so, I mean, I just think it's a, it's a really, really nice deal for Minnesota. Um, I think uh, Monte Morris is someone that I've kind of followed a bunch just because he played at Iowa State and was, uh, you know, was recruited by Fred Hoiberg. And, you know, Freddie had all those great teams at Iowa State and, and Monte was there with Fred for two years. Um, and he's also a Flint guy. You know, my relationship with Trent Tucker, Trent, you know, being from Flint, Michigan, all those great players that that came from from that city. And, and Monte is one of them. In fact, uh, you know, Monte has a very storied history um, at Beecher High School. I mean, he won two state tournaments or two state championships there. And he was Mr. Uh, Michigan. So uh, Mr. Basketball of Michigan. So, I mean, he's had a really storied career. <clears throat> um, and then also he was drafted 51 Phil. Um, and so the only reason that's important to me is because I was also drafted 51. Yeah. And, you know, I was the second most productive player um, in NBA history drafted at 51. Kyle Korver was number one. I love it. And I was second. And then Monte <laughs> Morris starts clicking up and he's got more win shares than I do now. So it's it. Monte Morris has been sort of on my radar for a while. You guys are going to have it whenever. And he's not going to be uh, I don't think he's going to be joining the team for the game tonight. But later on on the road trip, you guys are going to have a, 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 <laughs> a knowing glance from across the room. Yes. But not to make you feel too old, baby. He was a second round pick at 51. You're so old. You were a third round pick at 51. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I mean, back in those days, when I was drafted by the Houston Rockets in 84, there were only 23 teams. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, that just goes to show you. And, you know, you know, I don't, basketball reference is such a great resource. And so, when you, you can click on um, any draft year, um, and then if you go into the pick, you can click on the pick and you can see all who was drafted at that slot. And so there were only been 30 guys. Um, and I don't know how far back the history goes back in the draft. I, you know, it's, it's we're it, not, for sure not, go, not it for sure goes guys. back to 1975. Uh, Bubbles Hawkins was the 51st overall pick. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Bubbles so Hawkins. so not, not a lot of guys have made it being drafted <clears throat> 51. So, um, yeah. So anyway, that was that was one of the distinctions. But with Monte, though, what I what I really like about his game, though, like when he had to fill in for Jamal Murray in Denver, like the job that he did in that season to to make Denver relevant, like he he did a fantastic job. And so he's an excellent shooter. Um, he's he's one of those those guys, just like Mike Conley, just like Tyus Jones, 
um, whose assist to turnover ratio is always super high. I mean, uh, I mean, he's he's got a, a 4.91 assist to turnover ratio in his career. So the most he's ever averaged in a season is one. So even when he got that fill-in duty and playing, he started all those games for Denver that season. He only turned it over. Uh, he averaged one turnover a game, which. As we know, Timberwolves <laughs> need ball security is going to be a yeah. major factor. It's been one of the big bugaboos for them this season, all season long. So, you know, Monte's a guy that's a knockdown three-point shooter, hits 39, shoots 39% from three uh, in his career. And, like, he just is uh, is a guy that is a true pro. And anybody that, that, that knows about him knows that professionalism is his middle name. And so if you're not going to get a, a, an active score shooter – uh, at the trade deadline, getting another backup point guard who can score, can put the ball on the hoop. Um, he's he's not a super aggressive like scorer. He's more like Mike in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, yes. with his philosophy. But um, I just think it was a great pickup. And Tim Connolly has this relationship with Monte too, which makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, if I, you and I are both big basketball reference nerds, it sounds like you like you wake up in the morning, you know, like brush your teeth put some coffee on and then open up basketball reference and go down a wormhole. And I, when I started digging into like his shooting profile. So, I mean, if you watch him play, like, you know, he, you know, he can knock down a three and he's not going to be like a 25 point. He's not going to be, you know, he's not going to come in and score 28 and sort of save you. But if you look the last three or four years, so he scores inside the restricted area at like a 75% rate, which is astronomically high for any size player, let alone a six foot two player from the, from the, like the paint area, sort of three feet to 10 feet, 50% from, from that area, which again, for a six foot two guard is really good. And then he is a 48% mid range shooter from 10 feet out to the three point line. And he mixes that into his game too. And then of course, like 40% from three. So he can score at every level. Think about, you know, you kind of went through these, the boxes that he checks for this team. Okay. They have a turnover problem. Let's bring in one of the best, Assisted turnover ratio, guys. Okay, they have an offensive problem with the second unit. They need more three-point shooting, and they could use an organizer to just help put guys in the right spots. Check that box. If you look at his career foul numbers, he doesn't really, he doesn't get handsy. He doesn't hack. He doesn't foul. So he does check a lot of these boxes, and you do it without giving up one of your current rotation players too. And I, I was really excited for Shake Milton when they made that signing in the offseason. I thought he was gonna just have a better, uh, a better run here. But they were kind of because Shake didn't pan out and Troy Brown Jr. sort of fell out of the rotation. They were just a player short the last month and a half, it seemed like. So to add Monte Morris, Jim Pete, and not give up a Kyle Anderson or somebody that's a core member of your rotation seems like another win to me. Yeah, I think there are some people, I mean, you know, Wolves Twitter is awesome. Um, and I've been uh, entertained by Wolves Twitter for a long time, uh, but sometimes they can be kind of negative. <laughs> as you know. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, all the calls for whether it's, you know, Chris Finch being fired when the Wolves miss, lose some close games or Kyle Anderson to be dealt on trade deadline day. Um, you know, I, I get it because, it, you know, it's it's been it's been an issue with Kyle. He's. He's not been the same player since he got the eye injury in Denver last year. Um, he's not been the same guy. But 
I got so much love for that dude and what he what he does for this team that's both seen and unseen from a leadership standpoint. What he's a lot of times the regulator. He's the guy that is the vocal leader. And so he's a, a guy that's able to, to do it on the court and in the locker room and then also off the floor, like connect with guys and stuff. And, you know, Mike does that on a one-on-one basis. But those two guys, Mike Conley and, and, and you know, Kyle Anderson, I just think that Kyle's got a lot of uh, a lot of value. And so, you know, I think that there was some that, that wanted to maybe see if there was something for slow-mo, but I think that just the matchups that, that um, that he brings to the table in terms of his matchup with Luca, his matchup with Kawhi, his matchup with Zion, KD, LeBron, like all the guys that he can guard. I think that that's a huge plus for Minnesota. They, they're going to need guys. They're going to need stops. And yes, while he struggled offensively, and and we know the numbers about you know how inefficient he's been and what it means to Minnesota's offense defensively and leadership wise. He's kind of a, a touchstone for Minnesota, and I'm, I'm glad he's still on our roster. Did you? I'm sure you heard this. Uh, it was the, the TNT game a couple weeks ago, and Anthony Edwards went on the post game with Ernie and Shaq and Kenny and, and Chuck, and one of them said, Hey, when you, you know, he had like two points or four points in the first half, and then he exploded in the second half, and they came back and won the game. And one of the guys said, Hey, man, like you only had four points at halftime. You know, when you go into the locker room, you're way more talented than to have four points at halftime. Like, does anyone get into you? Do any of, the, any of your teammates kind of get on you? And he instantly said, Kyle Anderson. Slow, he goes, slow-mo is the one that – so I'm with you. I think in the short term, yeah, like don't pick up a technical in a close game, which was kind of ticky-tack anyways. It'd be nice if if the three-point shooting was at least on the, the level that it was last year for him. But I'm, I, I'd love to see this play out with Kyle Anderson – because I think he's going to find a way to be valuable, especially in a playoff series where you're going you're gonna to need some versatility and some savviness, and you're going to need half-court defense and all those things. So I'm, I'm still Team Kyle Anderson. Sounds like you are, too. I, I, I am for sure. I mean, like, you know, bless he's got a great nickname. You know, it's like you, man. You, yeah. need, you, need, you need guys. You just, you just need guys like Kyle. So um, he's, he's the guy that, is, that, is, uh, that players trust. He's a guy that coaches trust. And I think that, um, you know, there's going to be a game or two in the playoffs that he's going to help Minnesota win. Yes. Uh, Hey, let's, I'd love your thoughts on just, you know, they've been giving up these leads in the, and by the way, the Bucs have been too. So I I can't decide who I want to have a 15 point lead in the fourth quarter tonight. Maybe you want the Bucs to have a 15 point lead, but you know, what do you, what do you see in some of these? I mean, Chris Finch has been, kind of banging his head against this wall. And it seems like the players are saying, yeah, like we know what's wrong and we're going to find a way to fix it. But what are you seeing? Is there, are there any patterns or trends that are just sort of repeating themselves from your standpoint in the fourth quarter of these games? Well, so, I mean, the, the games that, that I'm thinking about, you know, obviously this happened early on in the season in the third game of the season, we lost to the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, we were up 19 at the half and we were up 21, uh, was the biggest lead. And, you know, the ones recently are the ones that, you know, are more memorable. I mean, being up 18 against Charlotte, uh, you know, against 15 against Sa- at San Antonio. And then like you think about being up 23 uh, in the third quarter against Chicago. Um, it's just, it's just one of those things. I think that you've got a 22 year old player who's the head of the snake. Um, and so there's just, there's things that come along with that, that like you're going to have inconsistency. And so 
you know, I just think that Ant is kind of in a weird place right now because he's he's so supremely confident. And let me tell you, like we were sitting courtside there in Chicago, Phil, and like you can tell when Ant is is like super laser focused and he came out in that first quarter and was just gangbusters. He had a different kind of energy. And Michael and I were talking about this during the game. It was like, you know, I think playing in Chicago in that building, playing in United Center. Wow. And people have com- have compared uh, Ant to Jordan. Um, we were kind of just joking around. We didn't want to get into that maybe too soon because, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. But but Ant was was on it. I mean, he was incredible. And he had a play, um, and I forget what quarter it was. might have been the second quarter um, where he's being closely defended by Torrey Craig. And catching the basketball was hard. Clearing himself from from Torrey Craig, he had to dribble out towards center court towards the timeline. And he dribbled out to center court, and he had to square back up again. And what he did to drain his three was just so physically impressive. It happened right in front of us too. And so it made it me even, even more impressive. And so you've got this 22 year old kid who can physically kind of do anything can kind of score at will. Um, and then when it comes to the fourth quarter, you know, they went through that video session and they're trying to kind of redefine roles. And, you know, the, the one thing that's kind of come about is like the hero ball, the hero ball that, that Ant kind of gets into that mode that he got into in Brooklyn when he missed 10 shots in a row. Um, and it looks, it looks just, it looks awful where other people aren't involved. Well, I think he's kind of caught in between right now where he's kind of caught in between, do I get my own offense or am I trying to get other people on? And you're sort of in this sort of in between ground that kind of like is hard. So yeah. I feel like he was trying to get other people on against Chicago, but the, the, the unraveling happened um, in the third quarter. So like, you know, you got this big lead and all of a sudden they go on a 10, nothing run and they, they turn your 23 point lead to a 13 point lead. And then they cut it under double digits. And, and then it, you're going through a, here we go again, kind of situation. So, you know, it's, it's, it's staying focused. It's, it's having a 22 year old kind of lead your team. It's, it's um, here we go again mentality that once you kind of go down this road a few times, you start thinking like, here we go again. But what's really puzzling is that Minnesota's defense just completely went out the window against Chicago. And yeah. if you look at all these games, I mean, like the, the reason why Minnesota lost was different, like in all of them. But in that one, I mean, the defense just completely left them because they, yeah. they scored enough points. They just needed to get some stops and they couldn't do that. So. You know, if you're Chris Finch, it's better to have these things happen now versus um, late in the season or in the playoffs. Um, we all remember what happened against the Memphis Grizzlies. And all of those playoff games where Minnesota built big leads and ended up dropping them. This That was sort of the problem that year, three uh, two, two years ago. But um, I just think that Ant's going to get better. He's going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. And I think Chris Finch is uh, is a guy that's gonna. He's always been a problem solver to me. He's yes. always been a guy that when when things have popped up, he's figured out a way to, you know, make the team better in that particular area. So I I'm gonna guarantee that that he's gonna figure this out before the end of the season.
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. On the you, you said a couple minutes ago you referenced you know playing in that building and and there have been I mean there's been people comparing Anthony Edwards to Michael Jordan's game and you see some of the videos on social media where you'll see him doing the same shake and bake the mid range game now that Anthony Edwards has but then there there have even been people that are like you know Photoshop his hair being gone and like they physically kind of look the same facially and I've I've tried to I've gone back and forth being really excited about that comparison because I do think if given he's probably what four years away from even entering his basketball prime a lot of guys don't really peak until they're like 26 27 then they get into a five-year window so like what could he become in the next four or five years but also Michael Jordan is the one name in basketball history that's just sort of untouchable and unfair to even make a comparison to but then this morning I don't know if you saw this the latest high-profile relevant person to make the comparison was Kevin Garnett on his podcast. He said Anthony Edwards is 1984-85 Michael Jordan, where he's he's out there, he, he's trying to figure out what he can do against the league. Now, Jordan obviously played three years of college, so he didn't enter the league until he was 21. But um, not, we got KG now comparing Anthony Edwards to the 21, 22-year-old version of of Michael Jordan. How do those comparisons land with you? Does it I mean you? I mean, you played against Michael in that era, so you can speak yeah. to it much more than most people can. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, you know, Michael Jordan is um, obviously. I mean, the stories everybody's heard him. Bobby Knight kind of said it early on. I mean, mm-hmm. when Bobby Knight had Michael Jordan in the Olympic trials, and when they when they won the gold medal in 1984 in Los Angeles, uh, Jordan was still in college at that point, hadn't been drafted. Well, he'd been drafted because it was 84. He'd been drafted by the Bulls, but, um, or was going to be. Um, but the, uh, I mean, the, the stories of Jordan and his competitive flair are, are hit, you know, historic, but Anthony Edwards is, is pretty competitive by all accounts too. And you could see him play like he gets so, he gets that look in his eye and, and the, the determination is there. So I, I think that, you know, Jordan's ability to close games and the way that he was able to, you know, just dominate every single quarter and the way that he was able to win. That's, that's the main thing is the winning. But I think that that's where Anthony Edwards is going to, is going to get better. His, his lore is going to grow because he's going to make Minnesota winner. And, uh, and I just think that you see a lot of, a lot of parallels. I just get, I don't know you. I, I'm a fan, and so I'm always an optimist. So, like when I hear yeah. people comparing him to Michael Jordan, I'm like, I'm like, okay. I mean, I can you can definitely see it, and you hope that that's what happens. That's what I hope for Minnesota fans. I hope that he becomes, even if he becomes, you know, two thirds of what Michael Jordan was, that would be amazing for Wolves fans. Yeah. What's funny is, in, I feel like in in LeBron's been a victim of this is. We set these bars for players, and it's happening kind of with Patrick Mahomes now too. Where, you know, is he is he Tom Brady? I know. Let's let's use Tom Brady as a bar to uh, to penalize Patrick Mahomes. And like LeBron James' biggest crime in his career is that he might not quite be Michael Jordan. He didn't quite right. So 
I want to be careful about setting a bar too high, but I mean, he's 22 years old and he's already look at, look at his playoff performances already too. And some of the little leadership things that you see from him pumping the tires of his teammates. And um, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun the next five or six years. I mean, Dwayne Wade came out too. So that's another one. He's like a better shooting Dwayne Wade right now. You know, it's kind of crazy though. And Ant is, uh, is not really wired up um, this way. Cause like Jordan was a guy that was super hard on his teammates. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guys that played with him, I mean, all you, all you to do is just watch the last dance and, and the stories of Michael Jordan um, treating um, treat, treating his teammates poorly and because he wants to win, like he wants to win at all costs and he expects them to get to his level. Um, I remember uh, just uh, playing with Roddy McRae when I was with the Houston Rockets, who's one of the greatest guys of all time. Roddy McRae, phenomenal player at Louisville and is from Mount Vernon, New York. And uh, Rod and I were traded from Houston to Sacramento together. But at the end of Rod's career, he played for the Chicago Bulls um, the, the year that they beat the Phoenix Suns and uh, Rod just makes Rogers would tell me like just how tough and competitive Michael was and how hard he was on Rod. Like, like, you know, he had all these high expectations. So I've known about this for a long time, but then the last dance kind of brought it out. And if you listen to the stories about Kobe Bryant, Kobe was kind of the same way too. Like, you know, these high expectations and what it takes to be obsessed with winning and, and how you need your teammates to be a, a part of that whole concept and like how you make an assessment Like Kobe would like look at a teammate and he would like write somebody off or get him out of there because he didn't think he was going to be a winner. So, and it's not really wired up that way. And I wonder how much of that you need in order to be a champion. Like those guys, those two players were champions, you know, yeah. LeBron is more of like ant than I think he is like Jordan and Kobe. Um, I think that Ant just is such a good-natured dude, man. He's so he's so kind, and he's so funny, and he's so complimentary of his teammates. Um, and you hope that never leaves, by the way, because there are guys that have that have come into the league that have been that way, good-natured and stuff when they start, but then they get jaded and then they yeah. get bitter. And you've been around him, Phil. You've had to cover him. You know, I mean, what that what that means. So, on the one hand, I want Ant to stay the way he is. On the other hand. He might have to grow a little bit tougher of a, of a skin to be able to demand that other people come up to his level and even demand it from himself. Yeah. Well, Jim, uh, we got about five minutes left in the show here, and I do have one more basketball-related question for you. But let's pause the basketball talk and uh, get a golf update from Phoenix here from our guy Kyle Tyge <laughs> at the Waste Management Open. It's, uh, oh, this is me? great. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we got you. Yeah, it is a uh, pouring rain in Scottsdale. Oh, I'm at the no. turn right now. We're all waiting for the rain to subside. You can kind of see it. Oh, um, you're in the, you're like in the pro shop right now. I'm just trying to stay warm, man. I'm like four <laughs> hot toddies in. Uh, it's really cold. Uh, they canceled. They paused the tournament today. The waste management, but uh, we have nine more holes left. So I just want to stop and say hi. Yeah. Hey, were were you one of the? We saw the video of it was still dark out this morning. And like hundreds of people lined up to sprint from the starting gate to the 16th. Were you in the first row or like a little further back this morning at 6 a.m.? I was the guy in the uh, wedding dress. If you saw okay. that, that's what the we guy thought. That lost the football thing. Jim uh, Pete picked was, you out. Yeah, he saw that. I was right next to him. So uh, yeah, Jim, this is not perfect golf weather, but next week it'll be better in, in Portland. So 
I'm looking forward to it. You know, I just I just was talking to Phil and we started this whole thing and I was like, I would love to see Kyle, like where, what kind of shape he's in right now at the Waste Management. So how many <laughs> beers have you, have you had any beers today, bro? Uh, I've had one or two, one or two. <laughs> just trying to stay warm. It's so cool. It's like 50 degrees here. It's nasty, but it's supposed to be better tomorrow. So just like hey, call and say hi. Monte Morris, your thoughts in uh, 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, I mean, it costs nothing to get them, right? I mean, I, I like Shake, I like Troy, but, you know, expire, or not expiring contracts, but nothing. You didn't really have to do much financially. A second-round pick in 2030, who knows if we'll be alive by then. Um, but I'm excited to have a better backup point guard. I like Jordan McLaughlin, but I think Monte Morris and his ability to protect the basketball is going to be really big. So what did Jim think? Jim knows more than I do. Jim, so. ha- Jim hates it. Jim's no. <laughs> no, no, Kyle. I was I was telling Phil that I've been tracking Monte Morris for a long time because um, I was drafted in 1984, 51 by the Houston Rockets, which at that time was a third round pick. But he was drafted 51 um, in 2017, and so that was a second round pick at the time. So he's the second most productive player drafted at 51 in NBA history. I'm the third. So. Can you can you name the first? At fifty one, I don't know. Two thousand three. He went to Creighton. He went to Creighton. Kyle Corver? No. Yes. Yeah, dude. Really? Kyle Corver. Wow. Let's okay. go. <laughs> See, he's not he only a couple beers in. He's still got his wits about him. No, I love I love the trade. I you know I think that his relationship with Tim Connolly is huge. I think that he's going to be. Um, another Connolly type player in that I think he's going to be great in the locker room. Guys are going to love him. Um, he played for Fred Hoiberg at Iowa state. And so Freddie's been raving about him for years, everywhere he's been, he's been loved. And so I, I he's going to be like a Mike Connolly player, low turnover, high assist. Uh, his assist to turnover ratio is 4.91 or whatever. Like he's, he's had a, a really nice career so far. So I'm, I'm psyched for Timberwolves fans. Well, good to see you guys. I'm going to try to, Get back out there in the elements and uh, make you proud. But, Jim, good to see you. See you next week. And, Phil, as always, good to see you. All right, brother. See you, Kyle. Yeah. There he is. There's your there's your waste management open. Okay, yeah. Yes. That was we should have played the Masters music behind him while he gave us the golf update. <laughs> that was great. So are we are we uh, our, our pre-show prep that we haven't brought to the show yet, we should to wrap the show here. Are we saying that Monte Morris at the deadline – has potential to be the fourth most impactful, uh, based on our 30 seconds of research before we hit the mics here, uh, yeah. in terms of deadline deals, D'Lo was a deadline deal to, well, he was a deadline deal twice, but acquiring him to get the Wolves to that 40 win level. KG the second time, more as like a, just a veteran influence. And then Tom Gugliotta, 1995. Yeah, Googs is probably the top one, right? Um, yeah. You know, uh, D'Lo, as as much as you want to like D'Lo helped Minnesota get to where they needed to be in terms of getting back to the playoffs, and his shooting was was a big part of that. Um, so I think people would have, you know, sort of uh, mixed opinions about whether or not it's one of the best ones. But it certainly was um, productive for Minnesota from that standpoint. But then Monte, you know, what's it going to lead to? You're going to have his bird rights. So that's going to yeah. be valuable. You, you could you could re-sign him, but Minnesota's cap situation is just got to be fixed first. There's a lot of there's a lot of bridges to cross before you get to re-signing Monte Morris or debating all of that. Yep. 
Yep. So we'll uh, well, we'll see how this. And by the way, just a warning for fans too. Monte Morris missed most of the first three months of the year with a quad injury, and he's he's not fully back in peak basketball shape. So it might take him, I don't know, two or three a weeks month. before you see a yeah. peak version, right? Yeah, yeah, a month. So. I'm going to say a month, but we'll see. So don't go on Twitter wanting everyone to be fired and uh, kicked <laughs> out if he misses a couple threes in his first game. Is what we're saying, right? right. So. Jim Pete, thanks for joining us from uh, the hotel room in Milwaukee. Okay. We'll send you yep. off to the arena, and we'll talk to you again next week, man. Okay. Thanks, Bill. All right, Jim Peterson on everyone's favorite Timberwolves Lifestyle Podcast, Flagrant Howls.